Okay, I also just throw in I don't like that I'm a nomad and not a muggle anymore. Ugh. Blech. I wonder though, like, do you think if we had been gro- cynical grown ups on Twitter when the word muggle was introduced, you know? Would that have got someone oh muggle? What the what the fuck? You know what I mean? Well yeah, but it's not like muggle is like also it- pre-existing slang and like nomad is just two words like is that what the jk rowling thinks of american like slang it's like they don't even go to the trouble of doing rhyming slang they just shorten <laughs> things into acronyms and like, i don't like it I was talking is a uh, muggle rhyming slang for no no i don't know what muggle clown is. And juggle that's like a made-up word whereas no <laughs> yeah. match is just like real words that you've abbreviated because i guess americans are lazy whenever they discover magic what a what a nomad are all the called, like that's my question are all the non-eddie redmayne because because newt's commander right is british but are all the other actors who are also british like colin farrell etc uh going to be american uh, or i assume some of them be, like, will be and of... some of them won't be well right. he, he gets like promoted to a position where he would be traveling because he's in like some sort of stupid health health position from the beginning which i'm assuming is what the movie's gonna follow so like he might like there might be a britain part and an american part so i don't know how those people are like if there's a dumbledore of this world or whatnot it's gonna be like off you go I'll see you in the flu network if that even works overseas. God, who's <laughs> they're not going to call it the flu network? I'll tell you that much right no, now. No, they're going to call it the fire the, the portal chim, transport chim, system. True. The chim 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 chu. The chim chu chu. Yeah, the chim chu chu. Boys and girls, your attention, please. Presenting a new exciting radio program, faster than an airplane, more powerful than a locomotive, impervious to bullets. Hello and welcome to The Thought Bubble, a podcast about comics and comics-adjacent culture. I'm Joanna Robinson. And I'm Dave Gonzalez. If you're just joining us for the first time, we're here to answer your questions about all things comics. Dave here is our so-called expert, and I'm your friendly neighborhood novice. But this podcast is meant for comics lovers of all levels. If Dave wants to go in-depth or spoilery about a particular answer, he'll do so in our advanced section that comes at the end of each episode with ample warning. So don't worry. If you have a question for us, please shoot us an email at bubbleyourthoughts at gmail.com. You can find all of our old episodes at fightinginthewarroom.com slash comics. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to the Thought Bubble. It is Wednesday, November 4th, and this is issue 31. Hello, Dave. Hello, Joanna. As you might have noticed, we're doing the Thought Bubble a little bit more intermittently right now. That's because uh, Dave's working on another project that we won't we shan't spoil but there's something coming down the pipeline oh i think we can i think oh yeah in our various other podcast adventures we've both been hinting at it so um, we're gonna do a star wars something a star wars build up to something a star wars build up to something right now i'm calling it either uh that's no moon or journey to the force awakens not looking for love in alderaan places I mean, we could do something like that, but A, that should exist already, and if it doesn't, it's the fandom's fault and not mine. And, uh, <laughs> you know, B, we've got to find something that's also n- not spoilery for patches in any way, which is a ridiculous task, but hey. It's true. It's so true. it can't be like Maz Kanata's a pirate f- flashbackery. Kylo R- R- Rent Boys. I don't know. Ooh, All right. Rent Boys? <laughs> 
<laughs> okay. Like, that's what I think I'm going to call, start calling the Knights of whatever they are. The Knights of Ren. The Knights of Ren boys. Right? Sure. It's Fantastic. good to be in your enemies. All right. Anyway, that's, we're not here to talk about Ren Radical. boys. Radical. No, that's horrible. <laughs> we're not here to talk about Ren boys and Star Wars. Though, if you do have a Star Wars podcast name for us, you want to shoot it over, you can email us at bubbleyourthoughts at gmail.com. Uh, we're going to kick off this week by talking about each talking about one book that we're reading right now. For me, it's Paper Girls by Brian K. Vaughn uh, with art by Cliff Chang, I believe you pronounce his last name. And uh, it is exactly what it sounds like. Uh, instead of Paper Boys, there are four Paper Girls. I believe it takes place in the late 80s. And uh, the first issue takes place on November 1st. Um, You're talking like, like Newsies Paper Boys. Well, but it's the late 80s, so they're on um, bicycles. It's like Paperboy, like the... the oh, like the video NES game Paperboy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. Um, uh, yeah, except it's four, four tough girls. And... Uh, Is there a pesky dog involved? It's more like aliens from outer space, actually. Oh, wow. So, okay. yeah. Aliens... I don't know. It's kind of great. Like, they're... Um, you know, Brian K. Vaughn's great. Anyway, it's good. It's great. It's very stylish, good art. You know, I love a, a chick comic. And uh, Brian K. Vaughn, what, what more could you ask for? What are you reading, Dave? Uh, I chose to highlight the Amazing Spider-Man, which issues one through three are now out. It is the post-Secret Wars Spider-Man. Uh, he is international. He's taken Parker Industries International uh, he's like dating a whole bunch of different Chinese women, it appears like, and uh, has bought out the Baxter building for their New York headquarters. And it's just sort of a new status quo for Spider-Man that has basically made him like an Iron Man light uh, that has had, I've had mixed reactions to. Uh, the most recent story he basically fights with Johnny Storm over whether or not it's disrespectful to buy out the Baxter building. <clears throat> and maybe this you know, issue would have played better if I knew what happened to the Fantastic Four at the end of Secret Wars. But considering I won't know until December, it's weird because I don't... I, like, Johnny is really pissed that he's in the Baxter building to the point that they have this fight that like goes through walls and you know is causing a lot of damage and puts people in danger. And, like, if nothing really bad happened in the Fantastic Four, if they're just, like, having an argument and they're not together right now, then that's really lame. Uh, if they all died horribly, then that's understandable emotionally. But this issue sort of has it floating out in the middle of nowhere because I don't know how Secret Wars ends. Uh, but other than that, uh, the Peter Parker being positioned as, like, an Iron Man gives me a lot of hope that uh, Miles Morales is going to be more of our traditional swinging around the street crime level of, of New York uh, Spider-Man. So I can't wait for him to come because this this Spider-Man feels, I don't know, silver agey? There's something lighter about his conflicts uh, that is a switch in tone, especially after we spent so much time in Spider-Verse and uh, Superior Spider-Man treating Spider-Man semi-seriously. Excellent. Yeah, Amazing Spider-Man. But Amazing. It, uh, they do have Alex Ross covers still, and they are all beautiful. So even if you want, if you want to check these out in physical versions, the, the covers are pretty to look at. I wish mine were on a screen sometimes. Awesome. All right, so that is what we are reading. 
Um, and I mean, obviously, what Dave's reading is going to tie into eventually what we see, or at least reflect some of what we're going to see upcoming from Spider-Man. What I'm reading has nothing to do with any screen adaptation, though I could see a Paper Girls movie happening someday. That'd be pretty rad. Uh, but we're going to talk about two screen ad- adaptations right now, one that just kicked off and another that is on its way. The first is CBS's Supergirl, which premiered last week. We've both at this point seen the second episode, right, Dave? Yes. All right. So we are here and qualified to give our opinions on CBS's Supergirl. <laughs> Dave, do you want to go first? Uh, yeah, I really like the attitude that it's going at it with, and I like the alien conceit. And I assume that as soon as it gets out of the necessary sort of uh, beginning woes of, you know, a series sort of having to establish relationships with, you know, some over-the-top dialogue. And, you know, maybe they haven't quite gotten the hang of their wire work yet, but they're they're getting there. I see hope for it. It feels a lot like uh, early Flash did, um, which is good, um, but I... I that that being said, some of the characters really great on me, but I could only hope that's something that gets, you know, worn down over time. But that's only having seen the pilot and then basically which is like a repilot. Uh so you Which know, character I'm, is great on you? Cat, the Calista Flockhart character. Her name's Cat, right? See, I like I like Cat, but not only because I think Callista Flockhart is maybe one of the stronger members of the cast. She's given like the worst dialogue to work with. Um, but I think Callista's doing better with it than than probably most people would be able to. And there are hints at the end of this episode that, you know, that relationship will develop and maybe I'll start caring about her more. But right now she's kind of... Um, like if J. Jonah Jameson wasn't, you know, hating Spider-Man, he was like throwing out feminist quips all the time, which is basically well, it's how just she like, plays. Have you ever had a high-powered female boss? I think I have one now, but I mean, and not like in that uh, Devil Wears Prada semi-subservient way. I've worked, not currently, but I've worked for several Devil Wears Prada type ladies. So I don't know. It's always, I'm always interested to see that dynamic on the screen because there are women like that who, and especially in this episode, who get where they get and then are very interested in tearing down other women under the guise of no you need to work I, I i don't know it just what she, a lot of what she was saying was actually very realistic for my experience with with high-powered lady bosses but uh so my take on supergirl is that um i think melissa benoist is is great casting and um i like kyler lee too as her sister um i it's it just might not be for me and i think that's okay I think it's okay if it's not for me. Like what you like said about crypt, it. Like the Krypton stuff and the. I don't know. I just, it's, it's just a lot of, it's so earnest and that's its intention. That's what they wanted to do. They wanted to make like just a really earnest show about good people doing good stuff, which as you say, was sort of like what the flash was. And then the flash, I don't know, somewhere along the way got me in the beginning. I didn't like the flash. So I might come around on Supergirl too, but I was sort of talking about, I really don't want to say anything negative about Supergirl because I don't feel like I don't feel frustrated by it the way I felt frustrated by Agent Carter because I felt like Agent Carter was for me and they were doing it wrong and I feel like Supergirl is not for me and right. that's okay. Like I think I was talking about it. It's just sort of uh, 
tepidly on Twitter. And someone said, you know, my 12-year-old daughter loves it. And I love that my 12-year-old daughter loves it. And I'm like, you know what? That's rad. I love that a 12-year-old girl, you know, and 12-year-old boys too and whoever, like, has some has this person on a network that they're really excited about and can look up to. I loved friggin' Lois and Clark when I was, you know, in middle school. So, you know, it's maybe just not for me. And, you know, I may not be into Kryptonians at all. I mean, you know? I'm, I'm psyched they're doing the alien angle because it makes Supergirl – uh, like Superman, it, uh, an ideal for all people that look like her, which are essentially humans, um, you know, and have adopted Earth as as their planet. And so she is; she's an aspirational figure. And I don't right. think that this is going to be anything like the other series we're going to talk about, which is totally a bit like dark and about trauma and whatnot. Whereas this one is just going to be light and sunny. And here's yeah. what you should aspire to be if you yeah. had Superman's powers. But you're a yeah. girl. Exactly. And I mean, I think that's great that that exists. And like I said, it just might not be for me, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, it doesn't make me frustrated like Asia Carter. It doesn't make me actively angry like Gotham. It's just, it's not, I, I'm not like looking forward to watching it, but I will, you know, I've been rewatching Buffy uh, like I do periodically. <laughs> you know, that show I just, you know, love with every fiber of my being and I, I doubt that I will ever feel that way about Supergirl but um, that doesn't mean that other people shouldn't enjoy it so enjoy it uh, Jessica Jones is the show that Dave was alluding to <laughs> if you didn't put those pieces together uh, he and I have both seen the first uh, many episodes actually uh, handful but you could fit most of them in your hands Uh, but we're not going to talk specifics or spoil anything uh, beyond what Netflix themselves have released in the episode titles and synopses uh, that came out. I think it was yesterday, right? Um, So, so, and, and, and then we'll just give our general vague (laughs) impressions of the show. Dave, what did you, what, what was notable in the, in the episode titles and synopses that you wanted to talk about? Uh, well, since the last time we talked about these, the, there's actually been some changes in uh, the episode titles. Uh, the, ti- the one the episode that was called The Kumbaya Circle Jerk is now called The Thousand Cuts, which doesn't make anything clearer even having seen uh, some of the episodes. Which and episode the, is that? Uh, I believe it's 10. Okay. And then um, the last episode, or no, the the twelfth episode, which was called "Jewel and the Power Man," is instead called uh, "Take a Bloody Number." Uh, huh. But it definitely in the description it is an episode with both Jessica and Luke Cage. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I'm these. Uh, I'm not sure that these titles, having seen some episodes. Uh, illuminate as much about the plot as things like Daredevil did. I mean, especially with like the uh, what is it the the episode where Matt and Happy had to like hit it out. Happy is from Iron Man. Oh, oh. 
the avocados de la. The sidekick guy. Foggy. Avocados de la. Yes. <laughs> I love that episode. When Matt and Foggy had to, uh, you know, have so their show. Murdoch versus Nelson, right? Or Murdoch versus Nelson. Thank you. Yeah. That was like a really telling episode title and knowing what that was after having watched like two episodes of the series, you're like, oh, that's going to be the episode where they have their reckoning about whether or not anybody knew. Uh, these episode titles don't uh, have any of that clarity. They're more uh, thematic based titles, which is fun because now I really have like no idea. Like details of Kilgrave's past emerge in an episode called Sinbin. No idea what that is. Uh, WWJD, what would Jessica Jones do? That makes sense. Uh, but like, I don't have any idea what it means that Jessica experiences, uh, homecoming that Hograth is in conflict with. So it, uh, yes, uh, more mystery in the, the latter half, but in terms of where the, where the, the season seems to be going, it seems to be basically hewing towards the, uh, the Kilgrave plot of Alias, uh, pretty closely, which is something that when the series was first announced, I wasn't sure that they were going to do, especially when they uh, said they were bringing Luke Cage in. But uh, I, I don't know. It's uh, between that and the, the trailer and having watched some of it, I'm intrigued, but I'm not willing to call it a resounding success or resounding failure at this point. There, there are a lot of things that are good about it, but if they don't close off a lot of the, the loops, uh, then, then I'm going to have horrible things to say about where Jessica Jones ends because I think it deals with some very serious subject matter. Oh, it definitely does that. And I think some people are going to really like it because of that. Because it shows, you know, it's, it's something that you and I have talked about in terms of it's weird to call comic book movies or superhero movies a genre when you can cover so, like, so much thematically and such a wide range within that umbrella. You know, so to look at Jessica Jones and Supergirl as if they are in the same genre is hilarious and wrong. Yeah, you know? like, and, and even within the same, like, deal, like, this being the second Netflix series you're not going to spend any of Jessica Jones being like, when does she get her costume? Like, unlike Daredevil, where, like, that's a really slow build of him slowly donning his persona. Jessica Jones comes right out in terms of, like, a conflict, in terms of a conflict, and plays much more like a detective story than, like, a superhero origin story that we're used to, like the Alias comics did. We're definitely living in the Brian Michael Bendis Netflix Marvel universe. Yeah, yeah. I I wasn't really I wasn't a huge fan of the episodes that I saw. Um and probably my you know, my reaction should be processed by knowing that I was really looking forward to this a lot. So my expectations were really high. Um I will say some positive things like I think Mike Coulter as Luke Cage is phenomenal. I think he's really great. Um what else can I say? Um, I do kind of, I like how dark they go. I mean, that's that's interesting to me um, that they're unafraid to go very dark. I think that's cool. Uh, but yeah, there's some tonal stuff that doesn't work for me and some performances that don't work for me and some basic plot dynamics that don't work for me. So, uh, you know, we will probably talk about this in more detail. Is there more I can say? I don't know. I think that's... 
I mean, when we can talk about it, there's much more that you should say. Oh, there's right now. plenty more I will say. That's that's all I'm going to say for right now. Temper your expectations, friends. I, I mean, uh, do you do you want to talk about the fact that you don't like any of the female superheroes that that we're getting? I mean, if you listen to this podcast, you know, and the, uh, that's not accurate because I do like Peggy Carter. I just feel like she deserves a better show. Um, uh, if you, I mean, that's nice that you're divorcing the character from the product like that, but I'm not sure if that's the intention. No, I mean that's not the intention of the show, but I mean. Peggy Carter exists outside of the ABC show. She exists in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So I like Peggy Carter as a as a character. And I like Haley Atwell's performance as Peggy Carter a lot. And I don't like a lot of the situations uh, that Peggy Carter had to grapple with last year. And what I will say is that if in season two seems like a soft reboot to me, I think I've talked about this before. They're moving to LA. It's a largely new cast. Uh, they just announced that Ken Marino is joining the cast, which is always a good thing. Um, so it's possible that season two of Agent Carter is everything that I want it to be. I just think that she deserves a show where I would like less time spent on like, I'm better than you men and just be better. <laughs> just stop talking about it and just do it. And like, do you know what I mean? I just, I, but we, I've already talked about season one of Agent Carter. Uh yeah, and I didn't really like Jessica Jones. I had really high hopes, and I didn't really like it. And it was double. It was a double bummer for me because that is a, a female showrunner. Same deal with Supergirl. So I really, really would like to come out swinging positively for these shows, and feel like a bad feminist sometimes when I. But I. But I refuse to, you know, stump for a show just because it has a quote unquote strong female lead. You know, like. I do like some shows with strong female leads, like Buffy and Alias are among my all-time favorite shows, but um, these shows aren't getting there for me. So, yeah, that's my those are my thoughts. No, that's good. That's that's respectable. No one no one wants you to like something falsely because then somebody will be like, "Oh, that's what you like," then, and then you're in an endless loop of trash. Well, I mean, and this is this is the reason why Marvel and DC have said, like, or more Marvel really, have said, well, we don't want to just do any female-led superhero movie. We want to do it right. We want to do it well. We want to do it organically, blah, blah, blah. I still feel like it's not a priority sometimes, but I do respect the desire to get it very right, you know? Um I don't think any of these shows get there for me, for what I want, you know? So those are my takes. <laughs> it's good. It's going to be fun. The uh, Joanna Robinson, Jessica Jones takedown episode. I'm going to be around for that one. Oh, yeah. I mean, Dave has already heard a lot of my thoughts. You'll hear more of my thoughts, guys. Well, I still have um, a- another small handful of episodes to watch. I mean, maybe the the back however many episodes will... Uh, will change my mind. Oh, yeah. I wanted to bring that up. The last episode called Smile, the description says, Jessica and Luke get help from someone else in the neighborhood, which might be like either straight up trolling or the just like straight up telling you that's the Daredevil episode. If What if it's not Daredevil? What if it's like, 
uh, Deborah Ann Wall's character, Karen, right? That's her name, right? What if it's like some, <laughs> some B person from Daredevil? Well, I mean, it, um, uh, what is it? Rosario Dawson's also supposed to cross over at some point. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah it could be it could be a whole bunch of uh, of, of B people, which That's would what... just be funny. Or if it's just like Iron Fist, and we're all like, what? <laughs> what? Oh my god, that'd be great. Um, but yeah, I will say that Mike Coulter's performance has me really excited for Luke Cage. So that's a silver lining. Yeah. Um, oh, and also to throw that, you just threw Ken Marino in the, the previous conversation. I did. I did. But but you gave me a good transition into yeah. Doctor Strange, actually, I think. Because, uh, you know, previously we had been thinking of Rosario Dawson as sort of a night nurse-esque character oh, yeah. on the Defender series on Netflix. But now we know that they are definitely never going to call her night nurse because there is a night nurse in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Dave, do you want to talk about that? Yeah, that's going to be uh, Rachel McAdams, who is taking another one of the uh, night nurse character names. She's not going to be Linda Linda Carter like we thought. She's going to be Christine Palmer, who was ah. another one of the three night nurses that was introduced as uh, night nurse. But originally we thought Linda Carter was going to be Rosario Dawson, who had to get pulled because Stephen tonight said they couldn't use the Linda Carter name because they had Night Nurse uh, planned. So everyone thought that she would come to the movie universe. And it turns out it will be in Doctor Strange. Excellent. So that's Rachel McAdams. Did you break any other news in that story? That was over on Latina Review, right? Uh, yeah. We also know that uh, they're putting together uh, sets for New York, Los Angeles, Kathmandu, and Hong Kong. So those are going to be the primary locations uh, that the movie takes place in. And, then and speaking that's... of Kathmandu, yeah. right? Um, a very fuzzy, very, very fuzzy photo of Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, was made his way onto the interwebs today of him in Nepal, Nepal, not Nepal, Nepal. Um, and as as someone pointed out to us on Twitter, it <laughs> it literally looks like it could be Christian Bale in what Batman Begins, right? Yeah. Um, and it does. It just he's just wearing a coat and has some facial hair, and his hair is long, but. I mean, you'd have to tell me that that was Benedict Cumberbatch. Well, um, you for, are you familiar with the Doctor Strange lore at all? I mean, a little bit, but... So he gets in a car crash and his brilliant surgeon hands are ruined. Right, yes. And then another guy tries to fix his hand and does, but doesn't do it so well. So Doctor Strange is all like, I'm going to seek out the mystical arts. And that's where that set photo takes place. Yeah, I did know that because I have seen concept art of a, a drawn Doctor Strange basically going, my hands, in like a, a hospital bed. Oh, yeah, that's so. right. You got to see the those concept art things. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, that's why you're not surprised by this. You're like, yeah, whatever. It's better to cover red with the, the thing. I'm like, look, look, that's what he looks like with facial hair, though. We've had to Photoshop it on him before. <laughs> Um, yeah, sorry to be so blasé about the, the fuzzy brown, uh, Cumberbatch, but there you go. <laughs> that sounds so dirty. It, it's the, it's like the filthiest thing I've ever said. Uh, is there anything else about Dr. Strange you want to talk about? I mean, I guess, so they're starting to film. I thought, uh, Cumberbatch is still doing Hamlet, but I guess he's done, right? Uh, apparently if he's in Nepal. Yeah, uh... I guess so. If he's in Nepal and has facial hair. I thought I swear, like he was just doing Hamlet last week. Well, but... we always knew November, but we didn't know that meant like the first possible day of November. Uh, but yeah, no, it's up, it's up and running. It's still going with Doctor Strange, and really, 
all the Marvel movies that aren't Civil War going forward. My big question is where are our last two Infinity Gems going to pop up? And Doctor Strange, there has there has to be one in Doctor Strange. So I got my ear to my ground, in the ear to the ground, trying to figure out which one is more likely to pop up in Doctor Strange. Okay. Here's the here's time. my time. <laughs> here's my big reveal. No. Oh. If he was just in Hamlet, which I believe he was, <laughs> uh, that can't be real facial hair. He has to be wearing a face mark in. What? A fuzzy brown cumberbatch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a cumberpatch. Um that's that's my that's my big conspiracy theory. I'm gonna write down face merkin. <laughs> just so I don't forget to use that turn of phrase in the future. <laughs> okay. Um all right. So then uh, let's talk about X-Men. I, you know, apropos of nothing, just because it was on, I've been trying to do this more recently, just sort of watching movies just because they're on, because that's what I used to do as a kid. Mm-hmm. And it's a good way. I don't know. Sometimes it's like to try not to be so intentional about your viewing all the time. Like watching this movie right now is not going to help me my work in any way. It's just something I'm doing for me. So I, uh, and I you watched... picked an X-Men movie. It was on. And it was the original. It was the original X Men, and it was just starting. You know, like Anna Paquin and Hugh Jackman were in the truck together, and I was like, "All right, I'll watch this." And Anna Paquin just looks like such a baby. And uh, I mean, that movie is, you know, like watching it now. I remember it being so good. <laughs> and watching it now, it's still. I mean, it's still not. It's still a good movie, but it's not a great movie. Anyway, speaking of Hugh Jackman, <laughs> that old war horse is still going. Uh, doesn't look a day over however old he was when he was hired then. Um, what do you want to tell us about Hugh Jackman in X-Men, Dave? Uh, Le Journal de Montreal. Uh, oh, horrible accents over here. Um, has said that Hugh Jackman is on hand for reshoots for X-Men Apocalypse. Okay, what does that mean to you? Uh, Wolverines in X-Men Apocalypse. Uh, which uh, wasn't sort of announced, but was possibly assumed. We, as far as we know, Wolverine's last appearance will be in Wolverine three, uh, but he's rumored to have popped up um, both in X Men Apocalypse and possibly in Deadpool, which was shooting around the same time uh, in Canada while Jackman was bouncing around. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it's it's interesting. I don't I don't know the shape of the X Men franchise beyond. X-Men Apocalypse, because I don't know if Gambit's still coming at the end of next year, (laughs) because it it seems they're having a lot of trouble getting that off the ground, and I thought that he was supposed to be our pivot point for the, like, new generation of X-Men, but it looks like they're just going to sort of slowly uh, ramp it down to, like, I don't know, Fantastic Four levels of, yeah, we still have them, but we don't know what we're doing with them quite yet. Or maybe they are hoping to pin it all on on, uh, Deadpool. Oh, they could pin it all on Deadpool. That that would be weird to have a uh, like a family like an R rated, yeah. R rated. It's <laughs> like, well, you got to see what happened to him in this R rated movie, or assume X Men Origins it still happened. But yeah, who knows? I don't think uh, scarred Ryan Reynolds is the face. I think that they're looking for a face like Channing Tatum or like Hugh Jackman, or probably not a woman because I don't think we're there yet. Ugh, women, gross. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> They tried to do it on Jennifer Lawrence, and they caught they caught her right as you know, 
She she started right before the Hunger Games, did the Hunger Games, blew up, and now she's exiting right after the Hunger Games. So they got peak Jennifer Lawrence to be. I just uh, feel like I mean maybe I'm completely bonkers wrong, but I feel like Jennifer Lawrence is not the reason why people went to go see X Men. Like, or you know, hey, maybe it's Evan Peters. Isn't there a story this week that Evan Peters has like just a much bigger role? And Quicksilver is so popular last time. Oh, I was and talking about I like female-led X Men, like the possibility of a female-led X Men movie. The closest one that we've, the closest mutant that we've had leading these movies has been, oh yeah, the Jennifer Lawrence. And yeah. they had her peak popularity, and she's still not that big of a part of the movies. No, sorry, I've I veered. I my. <laughs> My thought train took a U-turn back to, like, who we can pivot this franchise onto, basically. And I was like, well, what if it's Evan Peters? I mean, that's weird. Quicksilver's a weird character to do that in, but... Oh, no, Sophie Turner. Put it on Sophie Turner. Well, I know. Sophie Turner. Yeah, Game of Thrones. But I don't think that Sophie Turner's going to be great as Jean Grey, as much as I like her. I don't I don't think that that's... Well, but also, how do you do, like, those characters? Do you just, like, recast, like, Professor X or whatever? Like, you can't just not have a Professor X at the front of your X-Men if Jean Grey's running it, right? That seems sacrilegious. It's also amazing if you rewatch... I just took another U-turn. It's amazing if you rewatch the original X-Men like, try to keep track of all the characters that have been recast. Um, not just recast for future, but, like, recast for the reboot and stuff like that. It's, like, it's just basically Hugh Jackman, right? Is the only... Because I think Jubilee is even in... The first, I mean, Kitty Pryde in the first one. I think Jubilee's in there. I think, you know, oh yeah, I mean, the like background characters Sabretooth, that became the characters. Like, yeah, yeah, they recast Sabretooth because they wanted a better actor. You know, like all this sort of stuff. So it's interesting. Hey, you know, you know what happens to a toad when it gets struck by lightning? Uh, same thing that happens to everything else. I think they also recast uh, Halle Berry's accent in later installments. Like, didn't she tone it down in <laughs> later? Yes, later movies. She's like, maybe I won't go with this vague, terrible accent that I'm doing. All right. So, speaking of of men who leave who lead franchises, um, something we've been reading a lot about a lot is this idea that maybe Ben Affleck's Batman is in like every <laughs> Justice League movie that's coming up because he's definitely in Suicide Squad. Uh, he seems to have a like a somewhat significant role in the Wonder Woman film, and uh, and then we might are uh, probably definitely getting a solo Batman film as well. well. I think we're definitely going to get a solo Batman film uh, eventually. Whether the one that we're sort of assuming is going to happen is they're going to offer Ben Affleck a deal to uh, direct, it, direct right? it. Yeah. And, That's uh, rumor. Yeah, and the new rumor is that they're debating doing um, the Under the Hood uh, storyline. So that would be the return of Jason Todd, uh, Robin, who was beaten to death. Uh, as a... Who is definitely not Jared Leto's Joker. Yes, that's true. If I Jared Leto's Joker is any Robin, he's Joseph Gordon-Levitt's Robin, as we saw from a fantastic internet rumor that went through last week, I think. Oh, that's not a bad rumor. Um, I have friends talk to me about comic book rumors that are like, because you, Dave, keep me on top of everything. I have friends like out in the world will come up and be like, hey, did you hear this rumor that's like from two months ago? And Dave has already like roundly debunked it. You know, and I, it's hard to be like, 
Oh, that's a garbage rumor, and it's old. <laughs> You're a garbage person. <laughs> I, I'm so bad at conversing with people who have old information. I don't know how to like talk to them about it without sounding like an asshole. Um, that's so anyway. horrible. <laughs> that's cocktail party they're, problem. They're so excited that. <laughs> They well, I know, and out. I don't. I like. I don't think they're a garbage person. I just don't know how to say they're wrong without making it sound like I think they're a garbage person. And also, I don't want to sit there in line and be like, "Oh yeah, that that would be so cool if Jason Todd was Jared Leto's Joker." Oh my god, that'd be awesome. No, it's wrong, and I and they have to know it's wrong. I have to be the one to tell them. <laughs> <laughs> or else they're going through the world with wrong information. Don't you all want to come to a party with me now? Doesn't I, it sound delightful? I think we're going to see uh, the Joker murder Robin, which we've talked about on the podcast. Right. Now I don't even know what movie it's in. Like, God, because Batman's in all these movies, the fact that Batman's around or the Joker's around doesn't mean it's in a specific movie, which is really crazy. But in one of these movies, either Suicide Squad or Batman vs. Superman, We'll see what happened to Robin. Uh, but supposedly, post-Justice League, after Batman's met up with all these super-powered people uh, that might uh, come back to, to haunt him uh, when he comes... Robin actually comes back as the Red Hood uh, who causes some trouble for uh, Batman. And then, obviously, that story also involves the Joker. So there you have Jared Leto coming back to do his thing with Ben Affleck, and you have a whole Robin thing, which would so also Jason Todd. Nightwing, maybe... You'll have Jason Todd and the Joker. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, the first Robin, Dick Grayson, is Nightwing. If you want, so you have the, you could have a whole Bat family go. Since you're taking, you know, we're picking up with Batman so late in his timeline, relatively. I hope they could just call it Bat Family. To be honest with you, Bat Family is great. <laughs> All right, uh, I am speaking of family and DC. Uh, I am going to self promote shamelessly for a second and talk about a piece that went up on Vanity Fair today. That I wrote talking, I talked with Jesse L. Martin and Victor Garber about, uh, you know, father figures on The Flash and and uh, on the upcoming Legends of Tomorrow. And, uh, you know, I think Greg Berlanti is doing something really interesting with, you know, obviously he's not the only creative mind behind these shows. But I think you can see, you know, Greg Berlanti got his start on family dramas like Brothers and Sisters and Dawson's Creek and all this sort of stuff like that. Like he comes from a family drama background, ever would. Um, and I think you can see that DNA on these shows, um, you know, especially with the Joe West character, you know, and you've got Ollie and Thea and Sarah and Laurel and all this stuff. Like, you know, family is, you know, a thing in any story and it's definitely always been a thing in comic books. But I think especially since so many comic books deal with, with orphans, it's, and, and, you know, Barry, on the flash is essentially an orphan having lost his mom and his dad's in jail and then just gone this season for no reason he had to not get in the flash's way (laughs) um but he's got like not you know as dave and i have talked about in the past he's got like nine other father figures sort of vying for his attention harrison and jay and all these other people so um yeah anyway uh hear what jesse l martin and victor garber have to say about that over on vanityfair.com I wrote it. You can read it. I like the father figure reading of uh, The Flash. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see if you can take that reading over to Legends of Tomorrow. I'm so psyched to see Legends of Tomorrow. In my mind, it's a miracle time travel show uh, that just, like, you know, 
has like the you know not Nazis fighting polar bears. Well, Victor Garber told me I asked him the question that you told me to ask him. <laughs> this is a oh, you podcast did. a podcast exclusive. It didn't make it into the piece, but I asked him sort of I think you told me to ask him what time period he would most want to travel to, right? Yes. Isn't that yes. You asked? Yeah. So I asked him and he said that they're mostly traveling to the future, actually. Ooh. Uh, yeah, but he did say he see he goes back and sees himself as a young man in a sort of Christmas Carol way, so that that's kind of interesting. But I think mostly he said, you know, mostly it's exciting and you know all the future stuff that we do. So. Interesting. He I know. Just doesn't I, want to admit that he's going to ride a dinosaur. <laughs> I had like a whole like other piece planned. This is this is a piece I plotted out. This is too much information. While I was getting a massage last Friday, all I could think about was how I wanted to write a post about time travel shows and how we need another really good time travel show. Because I don't think Doctor Who quite counts because they do – I just want to travel to the past show. And I don't want aliens and I don't want other planets. I want either Quantum Leap or Highlander because I think those are two, two of the greatest shows of all time. And I want a show where someone travels back into the timeline we've already transgressed. I want no aliens. I want no future mumbo jumbo. Uh, except for the future of Sam, Dr. Sam Beckett, maybe. If I they want, want that re- Star Trek Next Generation episode where Data and Guinan meet Mark Twain. I mean, I know you saw me tweet about that earlier. It's one of the best Star Trek episodes of Wait, all time. Wait, you actually did tweet about that earlier? Yeah, I wrote, literally tweeted the photo of Data and Mark Twain <laughs> saying this is my favorite Star Trek Next Generation episode. Early, oh, no. I actually a couple just hours pulled, ago. I don't think you realize how amazing it was that I actually just pulled that out of thin air then. <laughs> Because I was like, we just talk. I was just talking about this with Matt Patches uh, from Fighting in the War Room off air about how that's what the new Star Trek should primarily be. Yeah, I agree. I'm glad we agree. Basically, what we want <laughs> is Data and Guinan with Mark Twain <laughs> or Doctor. That's not what I said. I just or Doctor Sam what Beckett. <laughs> Doctor Sam Beckett playing Imagine for his little sister because it hasn't been written yet. Or the Highlander fighting in the Revolutionary War. I mean, time travel shows are the best, and we don't really have a really good one right now. I, I still I still say Doctor Who doesn't count. Because more often than not, Doctor Who is going to, like, a space station somewhere or an alien planet, which is great. That's what Doctor Who does. But, like, only very rarely does he go back in history. I want to learn that Brandon Ruth's Adam was riding the bullet, shooting for President Kennedy's head. Yes. And nothing in between. <laughs> excellent um you know so maybe maybe between now and our next thought bubble i'll be working on my spec script for a quantum leap reboot that we don't need um but but that's the only way to get anything greenlit this day is, these days is to put a, a well-known name on it so there you go uh anything else we want to talk about sorry about my time travel tangent no that was good anything uh, else um no, no, we'll eventually get to Agents of Shields. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm a week behind, so Dave is kindly not spoiling it for me. Yeah, so you I'll, don't I'll know probably who hang up the phone and <laughs> I'll probably hang up the phone and go watch it um, immediately. And then I'm trying to think if there's anything movie-related that's been happening. Not yet. We're sort of ramping down into prestige movie season, which is not a great time for comic book uh, movie news. Well, no, it's it's really uh, Fallow. We've known this for a while, that it was Fantastic Four 
And then not like Deadpool's the next thing, right? Right. And I mean, Deadpool like yelled at some kids for Halloween for a promotional video. But outside of that, there hasn't been some X-Men kids. Yeah. Wasn't that that great of a video? But like, oh man, looking at this release calendar, just trying to refresh me. Like Doctor Strange is on November 4th of next year. Gambit's supposed to be on October 7th. And Doctor Strange is already shooting. And I don't even know if Gambit has a director. Gambit does not have a director. This is fantastic. And that gambits in between <laughs> Doctor Strange and Suicide Squad, which is so like in the post production process that we're getting ridiculous covers. Oh yeah, is there anything you want to say about those? Joker oh. abs, sexy Joker abs. Here's my favorite. Well, it was more like sexy Joker pop collar that was sort of alarming. But here is my favorite thing about Suicide Squad: <laughs> that Harley Quinn was like the number one adult costume sold. Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn, so those like little short shorts and Daddy's Little Monster shirt and stuff like that was I th- I think the number one. It was like it was that and Caitlyn Jenner and like Twisty the Clown were like the top three adult costumes of Halloween this year. So the fact that Margot Robbie's Suicide Squad and Uprox has a nice roundup of like a bunch of chicks who posted themselves on Instagram dressed as Harley Quinn. The fact that <laughs> it is so popular so far before the movie came out means that movie is just going to be fucking bonkers man that movie's gonna make so much money um i feel like it's gonna make fast and furious money or something like that so yeah well it's good they picked the right thing to uh you know put opposite a batman versus superman movie because that's gonna be a tough act to follow one way or the other but yeah i mean or 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 this is uh, this is Zack snyder syndrome and we're all just falling for it again even though it's not Zack snyder which is like everything it's looks Steve great, Snyder, which, is, which is worse, right? Every, everything looks great up until the moment you see the movie, and you're oh, like, "Oh saying, no!" I'm not saying the movie's going to be good. <laughs> I mean, it, like the trailer looks really good to me, but I'm not. I'm not trusting the movie's going to be good. I'm just saying it's going to make a, mon- a ton of money. Jurassic World made a ton of money, and that is a bad movie. So you know, um, I will fight you about that. Anyway, uh, David I, I, did, Iyer, I did not even defend it that time. I know, <laughs> David Iyer or Air. Air. Um, once again, recently, I forget what he was on. Maybe the Empire Podcast. Anyway, he was just talking like more shit on Marvel. <laughs> like he's just trying. He's like, just yeah. He'll say whatever he wants to say about Marvel. I'm I'm all for it. Marvel's. I mean, ultimately, Marvel's Disney, and I was once a socialist. So yeah, fucking bring it to him. No, I mean it's it's just. It just feels like he's trying to trying like desperately to start a, like a, a feud that like the other side is not interested in fighting. You know? Yeah. No. That's. I think that's great. I think that's I that's what you want the director of Suicide Squad to be doing. <laughs> I guess so. Um. All right. Well, on that note, I mean, should we start a feud with the with the Thought Bubble Con? I don't know. No, I don't think. <laughs> I think we should support Thought Bubble Con. I also support. They have an excellent name. Thought. Yes, Thought Bubble Con. I support them. Um, All right. Well, then we will see you soon. Uh, Maybe not next week, but sometime soon. Thanks for listening. Thanks for emailing us at bubbleyourthoughts at gmail.com. And um, please do read some of the books or tell us what you're reading. Tweet us. Talk to us. We love you. All right. Bye.